You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs. Steven Simcox here with you and have a special treat for you today. We'll do this in segment one and in segment two. I had a conversation with Billy Wessels, who recently moved over to TCU 247 Horn Frog Blitz with Jeremy Clark and, and Jeff Mitchell. Billy, for a long time, covered TCU athletics for uh, purplemenace.com, which is part of the Rivals Network, but made that switch recently. So we got to talk with him about the state of this team. We got into some recruiting as well. A good combo. Here's part one of that conversation with Billy Wessels. Here on Locked on Horn Frogs, and special guest with me, Billy Wessels from 247 Sports. He now covers tcu for uh horn frog blitz covered tcu for a long time for purple menace so first of all billy congratulations how did this come together with uh with 247 now oh thanks man yeah i my my contract expired with rivals couldn't come to a, a new deal and uh, i was a free agent for about a month or so and uh kind of been working with jeremy and them and, and getting this organized for about a month or so before it finally came to fruition uh but yeah just excited about joining this team and uh, i think me and jeremy have combined to cover the frogs for going on 20 to 30 years now uh, as much as he's covered and, and i've been going back to my days in the student newspaper back in 04 and 05 so uh, we've been on the beat for a while so it should be a good thing going forward for a horn frog blitz i was gonna say you guys are like the godfathers of the tcu beat i don't think anybody's been <laughs> on it longer than, than you two have 100 <laughs> percent. i have to agree with you on that one so let, let's talk some TCU football. Before we do that, I wanted to ask you about, I know you also follow the basketball program closely. I, exciting night for this program is Desmond Bain. It looks like Cross Your Fingers is probably going to be a first-round pick. Uh, how excited are you for him just to, to see his name get called tonight and, and wherever he ends up have a good opportunity to play for an NBA team? Well, I'm sitting here uh, Wednesday afternoon, and it's the first time in my life I've just watched the NBA's to jump, uh, <laughs> trying to trying trying to get some uh, draft prep in me. So I'm pretty excited about this one. I mean, he's, every mock has him going somewhere in the 15 to 25 range. So hopefully, I guess probably middle of the second hour of the draft. I think they do 10 minutes between picks, kind of like the NFL does. I really I have no idea. I've I've only watched one NBA draft, and that was when Kenny Hustle was uh, uh was going a couple years ago. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited about this one. Hopefully, he goes with the Mavericks. Is what I'm uh, the dream scenario, obviously, as a as a DFW kid. Uh, but anywhere he goes, I mean, he's a great kid. Obviously, I've interviewed him several times over the years. Really great kid. Uh, was kind of the face of TCU the last uh, few years. Not just the basketball team, but almost the athletic program the last year or so. Um, Excited for him wherever he goes, wherever whoever ends up landing him, we'll get a great three and D player and a great attitude kid too. So, yeah, it, it's fantastic. I was looking yesterday. I believe he'll be the first draft pick since '99 with with Lee Nalen. So, yeah. um, a, a cool night. And yes, I'm also hoping that at 18 he ends up with the Mavs. But wherever he ends up, will will be a great asset for somebody. Um, turning our attention to football, I mean the West Virginia game. It, it was what it was. Just a, a disaster in Morgantown we'll talk about what everyone's talking about, which is the offense and this offensive staff. Um, how much concern do you have about the direction this offense is going? I mean, they, they made some changes. It wasn't, you know, they, they didn't blow this thing up and restart. They tweaked a few things. They brought in Meacham and Jerry kill. Um, what do you see from, from the play calling that concerns you the most over the first, you know, eight or so games here? That it's not different from last year, that it's very much, blah and kind of the same and mad as we've gotten used to and it's kind of weird because it seems like it felt like oh cool against Iowa State I mean they should have won that game right they put up 34 points 
a weird pick where a ball bounces off Tay Barber's hands and leg and ends up to an interception on a potential game-winning drive because Duggan comes in at halftime. And they nearly win that game. They lose to Kansas State. Uh, and they only score 14 points with Duggan playing the majority of that game. Of course, the game-winning touchdown came on a pick six when he was out of the out of the play. So it's it just kind of like it's really hard to wrap my head around what is going on here. And I feel like a broken record because it all comes down to the offensive line, right? We didn't realize we'd miss Chris Thompson as much as we have. Uh, he's over at Florida State now. So this O-line play just hasn't progressed like we thought. Like, I thought Andrew Coker would come into this year and be an absolute star, and he's been very mad. Austin Myers hasn't lived up to the hype that we hoped he'd have this year too. So I, I think it comes down to the O-line, but also play calling at times is real head-scratcher. I think there were like six jet sweeps last week, and they went for like a combined three yards or something crazy like that. Like I just don't – it seems unimaginative, and it makes you wonder that how they're trying to find ways to scheme for a uh, not great offensive line – and Duggan, I don't think he's necessarily – it's hard to say he hasn't regressed because he did miss a wide open – I think it was Tay Barber on that play. No one was around him in the end zone. Uh, some of these easy throws where you've seen him make, he just doesn't make. So I don't, I don't think, I'm going to say he's regressed, but it just seems unimaginative and maybe not exciting for them at, as well at times. So hopefully going forward, the, the cure for a bad, uh, a bad offense and a bad defense is coming up next weekend uh, with Kansas on the schedule. Is Max healthy, Billy? I mean, you discussed the the throw where he missed Barber. He didn't look like he was on his game against West Virginia. You know, against Baylor and, and Texas Tech, it seemed like they almost became like a wishbone team at, at times there. They were just running the ball um, as much as they could. Does he look right to you? Well, no, he doesn't look like, you, like what he thought or what we hoped he'd be, what he looked like uh, against Texas and Iowa State. Again, that Kansas State game I alluded to a couple minutes ago, he got – he got injured for a drive. He missed, I think, two drives, had to go to the locker room for x-rays and came back and play. I think since then he hasn't been his full-on, uh, fully healthy, able to throw, able to run the ball self that we've gotten used to. So I, I bet there's something going on. Also, that room's really thin at quarterback right now, so they need him uh, to be to gut it out, to be the warrior they've been calling him all, all season so far. So I'm not going to say he's 100% healthy, but we've been told uh, it's nothing physical with him. Uh, you start to wonder that when you're given about two seconds per play because the offensive line's regressed, that maybe he's just playing not necessarily scared, but but not fully confident either in what the defensive line or what the offensive line rather has given him time wise. And I think that plays a lot into it. And you're, he's probably not 100 healthy either. So I think it's a it's a culmination of a bunch of factors there. One positive on the offense, I mean, they haven't been able to get these guys involved as much lately. But this is they got some intriguing guys with this young receiving core, uh, Quentin Johnston seems to be as advertised when he gets opportunities. Um, I know, I think it was you that was big on, on Blair Conright going into the year and he's turned out to be a really good, you know, clutch like possession wide receiver moving the sticks. Is that the biggest bright spot with this offense right now is kind of the young receivers and, and how they've gotten some of those guys involved. Yeah, I would say it's gotta be because the running backs have been kind of what we expected. We've seen less of Zach Evans, although more in recent weeks, right? We've seen less of him than we hoped for. I mean, when your leading rusher is Max Duggan and he's got twice as many, almost twice as many carries as Darwin Barlow and Kendrick Miller, he's got as many as he's got more than those two guys combined for sure. So that's a bit of a, a head scratcher. But yeah, uh, I was on your your radio show before the season and I told you look out for Blair Conright and I feel pretty good about that pick uh, so far. Yeah, Blair Conright's been a been a really bright spot. Him and Quentin Johnson, you like to see them get more involved because again, those two guys have combined 
for 31 catches and 251 yards uh, through, what have they played, seven games. So you'd like to see a little bit more out of those two guys getting more involved in the offense. Uh, but that comes down to play calling. comes down to the offensive line giving Max time to find those guys. But, yeah, Quentin and Blair have you plenty of reason to be helpful for this offense going forward the next three years. Part two of my conversation with Billy Wessels coming up next. This is Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Before we get back into that interview, though, I want to tell you about Coors Light. I get to talk to you about Coors Light every day. It's the beer. It's the drink that's literally made to chill. And you, I know you don't get a lot of uninterrupted me time. I'm sure you're always on the go, work, family responsibilities, whatever you have going on. When you get a chance to sit back and relax, grab a cold Coors Light. It's the perfect thing to drink uh, when you're watching some sports. Weekend's coming up. Maybe you're watching some midweek college football on a Thursday or a Friday. Grab a cold Coors Light. It's cold lagered. It's cold brewed. It's literally the drink that's made to chill. It's the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. And you can get Coors Light sent straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com. If you don't want to go to the store, if you don't want to mess with the lines, you can order it online and get it sent straight to your house. Please celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company. Golden, Colorado. The same people that bring you delicious protein bars, built bars, they also bring you Built Go. It's a small energy solution. It's only uh, a 1.5 ounce package, so it's really convenient. You can carry it around anywhere you go. And it's all natural. It's not going to make you crash later. It's it's really a better version of like 5-hour energy. They have a couple delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, chocolate, mint, so, if you need something to get through the day, if you're someone who, like me, about 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, you're like, man, I need a nap, I need a chance for some rest, take some Built Go. It has protein in it that combines with uh, some other ingredients in the energy gel. It's fast absorbing. It gets in your system fast, and it's easy on the stomach. It's loaded with good stuff to ignite your work. And if you visit BuiltGo.com and use the promo code LOCKED, you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, promo code LOCKED for 20% off your next order at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. Back on Locked on Horn Frogs, here's part two of my conversation with Billy Wessels from TCU 247 Sports, Horn Frog Blitz. So I've seen some reporting that they're searching for a 10th game, maybe another non-conference game. I saw SMU and Houston got postponed, so that's going to maybe get moved to the 12th now. Uh, is there anything, the latest you guys are hearing at 247, about the possibility of, of adding a non-con game at the end of the season? Uh, I haven't heard anything. The, the, a lot of people are begging to go and just play it this weekend, right? Uh, I haven't heard anything specific or nothing. I'm, I feel really confident in saying, oh, this will happen, this won't happen. Fans have been, have been begging for the SMU game to happen, and I haven't. I mean, I haven't seen any, any real inkling. There were a few weeks ago, right, I saw – a couple people post this on Facebook that it popped up in their phones. Like, I don't know if you have this. I have this on my phone where I go into GoFrogs and I just import the schedule, like, into my calendar. Uh, mm. Technology, right? Crazy. Uh, a couple people said the game popped up, set up for December 12th. This was a few weeks ago. So, uh, it, it's obviously not going to happen now. That's going to be getting their uh, game pushed back to that date. But it was somehow put into people's phones for at least a day or two uh, i never saw it on my end on, on my device itself but uh i don't think it's gonna happen i hope like i hope so more football is better uh but this year everyone gets a bowl game right if you want to go to a bowl game and go to a bowl game i'd be i think that'll be your non-conference game a lot of people predicting tulsa or smu versus uh versus tcu in the armed forces bowl 
there's your non-con game. You get to play another essentially a home game. So I feel like it winds up being something like that and not necessarily uh, a, not, a true non-con game. So whether it ends up being two or three games left in the season, I mean, you get KU and Oklahoma State. Um, what are some things you want to see from this team over the last few weeks, improvements uh, as they start to close out the regular season? Is it too lame just to say points? Like I want to see points. I want to see. I want to see offense. Right. We saw six points against West Virginia. We saw thirty-four against Tech, thirty-three against Baylor. Uh, most all those Baylor points came before with what two minutes, three minutes into the second quarter. And since then, it was pretty much uh, nothing in that game. I want to see some more aggressiveness. I want to see them go in and light up Kansas, put up fifty points on them. Why not? Everyone else can. So you have the talent. You have the ability. If you do that against Kansas, I'll feel a little bit more confident going forward. Oklahoma State was my preseason pick to win the conference this year, so I'm not expecting for them to win that game. But this Kansas game, you you got to put up at least 40 burger on them for me to feel confident uh, going forward that this offense is making the right steps and, and going in the right direction. What's been your impressions of, of the defense? I know there's been some complaining that they're not maybe as dominant as, as they've typically been, but I feel like for the most part, like you know, last week against West Virginia, yeah, those first two drives were terrible, but then it seems like they settle in and you know they hold them to 24 points. Um, what have been your impressions of, of things on the defensive side of the ball so far this year? Yeah, it's, it's a defense that is good enough to, to win the Big 12. At least it kind of has gotten that way now. The first couple weeks are really tough. But if you look at it against Kansas State, they gave up just three touchdowns. One was a pick six, so really just two touchdowns. Uh, Baylor, nothing until late in the game. Oklahoma being held to 33. That game, like no one was – everyone was sleepwalking through that game. But even then, 33 for Oklahoma, that's respectable. It's not like you're embarrassed by that defensive performance. And you give up 24 to West Virginia. You, Big 12, if you give up 20 points a game, 20 to 25 points a game, like you expect to win almost every game. So I, I am – especially with the fact that the, the two starting quarterbacks are both at three starting cornerbacks are out now with Keon Stewart – uh, and Noah Daniels, I, I think I did actually, Trey Thompson's a little banged up, but he's expected to keep playing. So you've missed two of your starting cornerbacks, and the safeties haven't been quite as dominant as they were last year. I think this defense is playing really well. The defensive line has come on really strong. Kari Coleman's going to be a monster, it looks like, as fast as he started. O'Shawn Mathis is starting to wake up, had that three-sack first half against Baylor. So this defense is starting to come around and starting to become what we all thought it would be. So I have no complaints about the defense. If you give up 24 points in a Big 12 game, uh, that's, that's a W in my book. Before you go, I wanted to ask you about recruiting. Um, I've seen they've put out a, a lot of offers this week. I know GP said in the teleconference that was going to be a big focus during the bye week was recruiting. How concerned should people be? I know they're sitting 10th in the 247 rankings in the Big 12. Is that just as simple as this being a small class, Billy, or, or should there be more concern about that? I think it's, that's what it is. I think it's down the fact that you have uh, just, what, eight commits so far. I'm not sitting here worried about where they stand in the Big 12 rankings here uh November. I guess signing day, the first signing day is about a month away unless they push that back, right? I think the visits and all that have really um, shifted things, how things will be going right now. But I, I think it's, it's going to be a small class anyway, right, especially with this year of eligibility kind of counting or not counting, whatever it is. You've seen some receivers head to the transfer portal. That's kind of why they've offered a whole bunch of receivers the last few days. They're in good spots with a handful of those guys. Uh, let's see, I'm, I'm just reading what Jeremy posted last night, right? You've got uh, – I've got the wrong link. Anyway, they're in a good spot on a couple of these receivers 
going forward. So I feel pretty good about their ability to land here three or four more guys here before signing day. And then you got to figure it out from there. I think it's really just a matter of, I expect this to be a small class. I don't think it'd be this small per se, uh, but they're in good shape for a couple of guys right here. Drew Estrada, the grad transfer from Dartmouth, uh, originally from Argyle. He's there in good position for him. Uh, and TJ Steele from Lubbock Estacado. Lubbock, that's where they went and stole Blair Conrad right out of uh, Texas Tech's backyard. So, uh, good position there as well. So they're starting to fill some of these voids. They're starting to play into that recruiting game a little bit. But I think this is this is going to be a weird year where I've been kind of saying maybe he's playing chess or everyone's playing checkers. It's going to be a small recruiting class. I expect a lot of transfers in the next year or so, not necessarily from TCU, but I think a lot of teams, like you saw Marcel Brooks leave LSU, you're all these teams that are still getting 20-plus recruits, and this year, quote-unquote, doesn't count for eligibility for a lot of schools. So you could see a lot of people like, well, I'm not going to play here for another year come to a landing spot and TCU could be one of those landing spots or a whole bunch of transfers. And maybe it's a, it's a way, another way to play the recruiting game, have some open spots. Like, cool. You're a five-star. I'm going to go and just scoop you up. Like we did Zach Evans and Marcel Brooks. So I, that's just a, that's just a feeling that I have. That is a way to kind of rationalize just the eight members for this class sitting here on November 18th. But I think there's something to it. I think there's a little bit of theory there. Uh, and this is a, this is a class that will get a little bit bigger. I think it may at most doubles in size uh, by February signing day though. You can follow Billy on Twitter at Billy Wessels. And again, it's TCU 247 uh, Horn Frog Blitz. They do a great job covering recruiting TCU sports. And one of my favorite things they do is that podcast, usually on Sunday night after a game, uh, the Frog Cast. It's kind of it's cathartic after a loss. It's usually uh, a good celebration after a win as those guys break down what's going on in TCU sports. Hey, Billy, I appreciate it, man. Yeah, not a problem. Anytime. Thanks to Billy for joining the podcast today. Really enjoyed that conversation with him on TCU football, recruiting, etc. We'll come back and I'll tell you where Desmond Bain went on Wednesday night and we'll break down if it's a good fit moving forward. That's next on Locked on Horn Frogs, your team every day. Final segment of Locked on Horn Frogs and guys, we officially know where Desmond Bain's going to play NBA basketball and selfishly, man, I'm hoping I'm watching the draft as we speak. And I'm hoping that Desmond would end up in a Mavericks jersey. I thought maybe they'd do it at 18. They end up going a different direction. And then it looks like he might fall to 31. But that's not what happens. Desmond ends up in Memphis. Memphis traded up. Boston held the 30th pick in the draft, the last pick in the first round. And the Grizzlies trade up to get Desmond Bain. Uh, just a fantastic moment. Adam Silver read off his name. He sort of flubbed it. He said Christian University, not Texas Christian University. He just referred uh, to TCU as Christian University. So take that, Baylor. We are the true premier Christian University um, as, as Adam Silver. I mean, in fairness to him, that's not a school that he sees a lot on the, on the card when he calls NBA players. But hopefully it's going to be a school that he sees a lot more moving forward as Jamie Dixon continues to build that program. Super excited for Desmond. I mean, first of all, he's just a great dude, right? Like, this is fantastic because of the man that he is, the person that he's grown up to be and how he's represented this university and the school. Um, he's he's a fantastic guy. So just over the moon for him, and I know he's worked so hard, probably harder than we can even imagine. And to get to this point, it's a dream come true. Now, as far as the fit goes, um, I think this works out well. I mean, this is the young, exciting Memphis team. Uh, 
they were hovering around that eighth spot in the playoffs. And I think, honestly, if they played out a full regular season, Memphis might have been able to get it done. But Portland was hot, and they got in the bubble, and they were playing really well. And they are able to run off a few wins and then win that playing game and make it into the playoffs. But this is a Grizzlies team that was right there in the playoff hunt last year. John Morant's their point guard. He's a fantastic passer, an explosive dude. Um, They got some good guys. And, man, uh, they're getting a good one in Desmond Bain. Excited for him. He's a great shooter. This is so crazy, man. I'm watching Jay Billis wax poetically about a player over TC basketball highlights. Like, what a world we're living in. But first – uh, NBA draft pick since 1999, since Lee Nalen was taken. Uh, he's a first-round pick um, at the end of the first round, but the first round nonetheless. And going to an exciting franchise, as I said, in Memphis. Um, you know, the thing about Dez is that he's going to make some money with is, is shooting the basketball. You cannot have enough shooters in today's NBA. And the fact that, uh, you know, he was hitting – over 40% of his threes during his senior year is is a big plus. He's going to get to play with John Morant. Jaron Jackson Jr. is a, a really good young star. Dylan Brooks, a good young player. Brandon Clark from Gonzaga, a good young player. This is exciting stuff, man. I'm ready for him to go get it done. And I think this is a perfect time. It's late at night. Desmond just got drafted at the end of the first round. I do a really good Bane impression. So here we go. Let, let me do let me do my Bane impression here for you. This is gonna be great. This is the bye week. We're just goofing off. We're just doing bets. Here's my Bane impression. You think darkness is your ally? Oh no, that was really bad. Actually, I, I'm. I normally do it much better than this. That was terrible. Let me see if I can. Let me see if I can fix this. Wait, wait, wait. You think darkness is... Okay, I can't do it. All right, well, I promise that I typically do a really good Bane impression, but that was not good at all, and I should probably delete that, but I'm not going to. Anyway, we're all stoked for Desmond Bain. 30th pick in the draft. I think he's a good fit in Memphis. Um, you know, your, your typical 3 and D guys, Billy Wessel said earlier, and I hope he can carve out a spot. And this is he's going to hit the ground running. I mean, the season starts on December 22nd. So I'm not sure exactly where he fits in the rotation for uh, for the Grizzlies, but he's probably going to get a shot right away because, as I said, training camp coming soon, um, season starting in a month. This is going to be fun. Thanks for listening to Lock on Horn Frogs. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Good luck to Desmond Bain. Hey man, you're our guy. We appreciate you. Good night. I'll talk to you on Friday. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.